I'm like Cardi B I don't cook, I don't clean I don't do anything I do what I want I gotta be cool, I gotta be punk Don't care about the cracks on my phone I'm happy you're hitting me up Traffic Alright, from the top We're back on Date with the Night, and may I ask the question, what are some new artists that are a part of the Indie Sleaze revival? One name kept coming up over and over again, Blake Ortiz Goldberg, aka Blake the Man 1000, our guest on today's episode. How are you, Blake? I'm good. I'm in Montreal, and I was driving all day, and it is nice to not be behind the wheel. Yeah, I bet. It's actually, I think, our first snowfall here in Canada, or at least in Montreal in Toronto. So yeah. I'm pronouncing it with the second T, as we were kind of discussing before we started recording this episode. If you're actually from Toronto, then you don't pronounce the second T, but my mom was an English teacher, so I still pronounce it with the second T despite living here. So just a fun fact for everyone out there. I saw like a tweet where it was like uh, something along the lines of like Americans pronounce this word wrong and, and it was uh, Toronto. My urge though to Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> same here, same here. You're still welcome. We welcome you here in Canada. You better get some like poutine and some falafel and some Montreal bagels. I'm pretty sure New York has good bagels too. Yeah. Well, there's a place popping up all over New York from Montreal called Black Seed Bagels. Oh. Have you been there? It's like a chain. No. But they're like Montreal style bagels, which is funny to me because obviously New York has a lot of its own bagels. So it's silly. It's definitely like the narcissism of small differences. Like they're like a little bit smaller and a little bit more like dense maybe. I don't know. Well, when I come to New York, I'm definitely going to try that bagel because I have not seen that chain here. I would have thought it would have gone to uh, Toronto first. Maybe it's big in Montreal. I don't know. You'll have to tell me since you're there right now. But it is really cool to have you on the pod today when you are here in Canada. You were recently featured in Rolling Stone. So congrats on all your success and all the Thank you. kind of recognition you're getting for your music. What was your reaction to seeing your Rolling Stone profile? I was really excited. Of course, I knew it was coming because I had done the interview and stuff. But you know, I didn't get to read it before. And so when it went live, I felt really thankful because the writer, Jason, he clearly spent a lot of time working on it. And it felt like he sat with the music in a, a critical and serious way, which is kind of like the best thing that could happen. And the article really feels like it wanted to make interesting conversation and I feel so lucky that a smart music critic was willing to spend time with my songs and performance. Yeah, I love the article. And it's like your almost famous moment. You know, you make it into the Rolling Stone. That's pretty big deal. So I think that's really cool to kind of have your own write up and all this explanation of like the creative process behind your music. You were quoted in the article saying, one thing I want to make clear is I'm not writing hip hop. In just a few words, like how would you best describe your music? Yeah, I would say it's pop music. The context of that is we were kind of talking about like people keep being like, oh, rapper, Blake the Man with a Thousand, which is funny because that was the title in the article too. But I think people are like, oh, so you're a hip hop artist, which I definitely have some hip hop influences. But in pop music, the genre is just one tool that, the artist uses to express a component of themselves. Yeah. The example I always give is in Beyonce's album, Lemonade, 
every song is like a different genre. Like there's a rock yeah. song and there's more like dance songs and more hip hop songs and kind of like songs with more reggae feel. And, you know, the genre is not rigid and actually changing the genre is a way that pop stars express things about themselves. So ultimately, I feel like a pop artist and I love a lot of different types of music and hip hop being one of them. And I like using different genres to show different parts of me. Yeah. You can just tell you're challenging yourself and you're getting out of your comfort zone with each track and doing something different. And your music is very like happy and chill and fun. And I love the lyrics too. Like you infuse all this humor throughout the lyrical components of your songs. Thank you. I was just kind of wondering with Traffic, which is your newest song. I love that synth line. First of all, it's just so good. But like, how did that track come together? And what were some of the inspirations behind it? I had wrote that song at my mom's house maybe like a year and a half ago or something. And then I kind of had like a working version of it that I was playing at shows. And then I had a session with Jake Lazovic. His band is called Sitcom and he's a good friend of mine. He lives in New York and he wrote the like guitar line. I ended up putting effects on it because I wanted it to sound like the guitar from Amber by 311. So there's like that first one, the boo, 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 that's the synth. But then the second part that comes in is the guitar. So basically when he wrote that guitar part, I kind of um, moved things around to, to fit with that. And then, yeah, I kind of had Amber as a reference. And I love using references and it'll kind of get me moving. And then once I'm moving, I kind of drop the reference and just move things around to get it to fit. That's how that one came together. And what has been the response so far? upon releasing that track. People seem to like it. I've been playing it at my shows. And the tricky thing with that one is there's just so many words. (laughs) Every time I play it, I'm like, oh my God, I'm out of breath. (laughs) That's like an Eminem situation. I've seen him in performance and he has someone like that layers over top of him rapping just Mm. in case like he runs out of breath. Maybe you just need like your sidekick on stage. (laughs) Yeah. When he like got sober, I remember reading an interview where he's like, I can't be fucked up and I also have to be like very physically fit to like do my set for two hours yeah (laughs) which makes a lot of sense so maybe that's kind of the next the next phase is I get in great shape you go on runs and just like start singing the lyrics to traffic yeah see how you (laughs) can keep up with it Well, I always been saying that like if I can get like a good label deal and quit working, I'm going to start going to the gym every day and get like totally shredded. Yeah. Which is like the um the body version of wearing sunglasses. It's so cool to be shredded. Yeah. <laughs> you know about Bad Bunny's transformation cuz he wasn't always shredded. Oh, he wasn't? No. They used to call him Chubby Bunny. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> I know. I mean, that's kind of cute, but It's cute. When it's, they say it like endearing, but you know, now he's like got a six pack and everything, which, you know, I'd love to do that at some point. You're on your way up to blowing up, I think. That's why I was like, we got to get Blake on the pod before. He's too busy and too cool for us. So Never too busy. I'm uh, <laughs> liking your posts every day. I make like 10 seconds a day for Indie Sleaze. <laughs> oh, thank you. I appreciate that so much. You know, I initially heard Blake too. That was like my first introduction to your music. It's like one of my favorites. And I think actually... In the Rolling Stone article, Jason kind of compared you to Elliot Smith, which was something I kind of clocked immediately upon the first listen. But like, I've asked this of people before that have come on this podcast, like, how do you feel about these comparisons? Is that annoying to you? Or is it sort of like a disservice to your art? Or do you take this as a compliment? It's awkward 
as an artist because I think you don't want to be compared or described. <laughs> Anytime I'm compared or described, I'm like, well, that's not it. That's not right. Because, you know, I've lived my whole life. So for me, I just feel like I'm me. Yeah. But to me, like one of the most exciting moments about music is when I read an article or get a recommendation from a friend and I'm so excited to hear something. And then, you know, I'm imagining what it might sound like. And then I finally hear it and I compare the actual version to the thing I imagined. Yeah. I think comparisons are just the way that people describe and help provoke other people's imaginations about music. Ultimately, I'm so thankful that people are willing to think about it and make comparisons. And in Jason's article, I'm a really big fan of everything he compared it to. So I'm not uh, not mad about that. Yeah, Elliot Smith is like a prolific musician. Like that's someone who... Yeah, I think he said Weezer too, which I'm like, all right, cool. <laughs> I liked that comparison as well. I, do you feel like you have any inspiration from Weezer? I really like Weezer. Actually, a funny moment... Harrison, who you had on before, he's the dare. Yeah. He used to do this thing a few years ago where he would like listen to Weezer songs and like write out the song structures in his notes. Basically, when he was like having a hard time coming up with something, he'd kind of like be like, okay, well, I'm going to use a Weezer song structure. And I used to be like, oh, will you send your notes to me? And I, I would do the same thing when I um, would be having a hard time with something. I would try and Weezerfy it. The Weezer song structures are like the Beatles and Stevie Wonder and Michael Jackson. It's like all like kind of yeah. mashed together into like these mega 90s radio hits. So anyway, as far as Weezer's influence, that's... um. A funny moment that comes to mind. Do you like their song Hash Pipe? Because this is something I've argued with my co-producer. He thinks that's like their worst song maybe. And I really like that song. I've definitely thought about it in like the last year. I'll say this. I don't know if it's their worst song. I mean, it obviously like, you know, it succeeded at what they wanted in terms of like it was on the radio and stuff. Yeah. Like I remember hearing that on K-Rock when I was a kid. It's got to be their nerdiest song. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's nerdier than Buddy Holly in its own way. Like, ooh, ooh, I like, just like <laughs> Buddy Holly. That's not as nerdy as being like, I've got my hash pipe. <laughs> what about the we are all on drugs? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that. That's that sounds so familiar, but I don't know that one so well. What album is it from? <sighs> I couldn't tell you. I think it was the second single from their album, Make Believe. I think that was released in like either 2006 and 2005, but a is lot of people- Is that the red one? No, no, no. That's the one with Beverly Hills. Yes, I think so. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that song. I remember another Weezer memory. Did you ever play Tap Tap Revenge? No. It was what like this? when like iPod touches and iPhones were like first coming out. I had an iPod touch because I was, you know, I was like in middle school. I just found my iPod touch, by the way. So. Well, here's what you should do with it. There was a game called Tap Tap Revenge and it was like Guitar Hero, but it was like three things and you just like tap them with your thumbs. <laughs> and so it started out where there's like a general app and then they started licensing specific artists. So there was a full Weezer Tap Tap Revenge that was like mostly centered around the whatever the red album was called it might have been called the red album i can't remember then the one they did after that was nirvana they had a nirvana tap tap revenge <laughs> yeah it was kind of cool that's amazing i will have to do that now i didn't know about that but finding my ipod touch was like really special i found i it feel like, like i'm checking the app store right now i feel like tap tap revenge is gone because i feel like i looked for it recently right now if i'm like on the train or something I play a lot of backgammon. Do you ever play backgammon? No. 
<laughs> I love I know what backgammon is, but I was a solitaire type of oh, cool. <laughs> person. But not no, I've never played backgammon. It's, I might um, start. Yeah, it's free on the App Store. The ads are really obnoxious and there's a lot of ads, but yeah, I play online backgammon. I'm really good at it. <laughs> okay, so I'm on the Tap Tap Revenge Wikipedia now. Released in 2008, Tap Tap Revenge 4 was the last one. Oh, yo, here it is. Acquired by Disney. Discontinued in 2014. Of course, of course. That's crazy. And I remember this too. The developer was named Tapulous. (laughs) Tapulous. Oh my gosh. Well, if listeners... Rest in peace, Tap Tap Revenge. (laughs) If you're listening to this, please let me know about your Tap Tap Revenge memories because I somehow missed out on this and did not play this game despite having an iPod Touch. So Arguably, like, the closest thing we would have to an Indie Sleaze video game. <laughs> did you ever play, like, Rock Band or Guitar Hero? Yeah, I played Rock Band. I was always a drummer in Rock Band, except nice. I would do vocals for Californication. No, which Red Hot Super song did they have? No, 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 they had... Um, I'm trying to think of which... Black I think it Bandana, was... Sweet Louisiana, <laughs> Robin and Dan- What is that called? Danny California? Danny What's... California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had Danny California in Rock Band. And I would do the vocals on that one. Do you like that song or is that more just like... Yeah, I love the Chili Peppers. I love the Red Hot Chili Peppers, but I hated that song for some reason. I think maybe because I was like in high school working at McDonald's and that played like every day. Like every half an hour. <laughs> I worked at a pizza restaurant in high school and they would play um, Maggie's Farm by Bob Dylan. Oh my God. Do you know That's that song? really random. Oh my God. It was so intense. <laughs> RIP to all the people working retail or in food service jobs right now with all the Christmas music. I'm sure that they're being like yeah. blasted with. It's like MK Ultra. <laughs> like, I don't know. That music just like makes me feel like insane. So No, yeah. The Christmas music's a lot. Oh, real quick. Did you like Snow from Stadium Arcadium? Yes, I did like the Snow. The guitar on that song is so beautiful. Yeah, no, I agree. My co-producer is such a fan of the Red Hot Chili Peppers that when he was in high school, he and his band learned every single Red Hot Chili Peppers song, note for note. And I think there was even like some like B-side shit that they knew and they would play that for like- Wait, every song? Oh, my co-producer really wants to say, if you want to chime in. I think our cutoff was like Mother's Milk and earlier. I don't know if we did too much from that. Did you do like Pretty Little Diddy? Oh my God. Oh yeah. And he like, showed me a video of him like 14 and they're they're 14 we years the old. the whole fucking thing. And like we're doing this at like one of our bandmates like- literally like family reunion and they're just all like watching these high school kids would you do surf psycho sexy (laughs) (laughs) yes they would they did all these tracks like (laughs) we knew way too many i've been telling harrison he's got to cover surf psycho sexy (laughs) they were basically a red hot chili peppers cover band that's the only band we could all agree on and so we essentially became a cover band yeah they're so good I want to see them live. I really do. Well, if you can't see them live, you can just see John perform with his old bandmates. <laughs> they, they will do even like live performances off of like some DVD that I've never seen. So, Oh, like Slam Castle intro or something? Exactly. The Slam exactly Castle this. I you, love yeah. the Slam Castle <laughs> intro. <laughs> I learned all of the Slam Castle John Frusciante solos. I don't know. It's ridiculous. Yeah. How deep is your love, John Frusciante solo? <laughs> Yep. <laughs> I used to play that on guitar. Amazing. Okay, so my song on Rock Band, I think, was Nine Inch Nails. I forget which song, but... Is Closer on there? 
I think it was closer. Yeah, I, I love that right. song, but it's kind of awkward. Oh, uh, because someone that's like, I want to fuck you like an animal. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that's the song. Someone decided to do that cover at a work party I went to one time, and that that was awkward. I think that was not reading the room at the time, though I was into yeah, it. Yeah, but... I definitely would have do it at a place of work. <laughs> but there's a song from that era that goes like... um. You and me, baby, we ain't nothing but mammals, so let's... Bloodhound Gang? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember hearing that song when I was like 12. I don't even... Like, whatever radio station my dad would listen to, they always would play it. It's an oldie now. It's, it's kind of insane. It's like considered an oldie. But they also had Foxtrot, Uniform, Charlie, Kilo. And it's supposed to like... It's like an acrostic poem where it spells out the word fuck. Oh, that's so funny. And my edgy, like, 11-year-old self was like, hell yeah, this song's amazing. I never picked up on those kinds of things. <laughs> well, actually, it kind of leads me into my next question for you because you have the song Pixies, which I love. Thank you. The lyrics go, if you want to kiss me, you got to like the Pixies. Like, what are your ultimate Pixie songs? Ooh, I have a good Pixies story. Tell it. It's kind of a roundabout thing, but there was like a week where I kept running into this guy and he was really noticeable because he had like really long hair and then his like leg was like broken, but in like some like full leg, you know, the casts that go past your knees. Yeah. He had like the cast that went past his knees and then he was like on crutches and I kept seeing him at bars in New York. And the third time I saw him, I go up to him and I'm like, dude, we've been at the same bars like four days in a row. <laughs> his name was Nico. He was from Paris. We like exchanged emails. Fast forward a couple of years, I visited Paris like right before COVID. And so I hit him up. I'm like, yo, Nico, I'm going to be in Paris. Let's hang. He's like, oh, I'm DJing this night. Come to the set. So I go to the set. It's fun. And then he's like, oh, like, if you want to come hang at my house after I live a little outside the city. So I'm like, okay, cool. I'm like getting the real thing. You know, I'm like not hanging at the hostel. This is awesome. Yeah. So I go and he's like. He and his roommate are there and they're like, oh, like, do you want to jam? And this is at like maybe like four or five in the morning. So we're just like jamming. You Were you playing guitar or like what? One of us was playing guitar and one of us was playing bass. And we were like trading back and forth. (laughs) But he kept being like, yo, play this. And so he shows me this bass line and it was Hey by the Pixies. I know that bass line. So the cool thing about that bass line is that it repeats half as frequently as the guitar. Yes. It's cool. (laughs) Yeah, I guess Hey is probably the one I have the most fond memory of. In terms of a deeper cut, probably something on Surfer Rosa. I love that album too. Let's see. I really like Broken Face. I like Break My Body. What's the one where she's talking about the field hockey players at the beginning? Oh, God. I is forget. that Tony's theme? Yeah, I think it is Tony's theme. I really like that one. I'm Amazed is awesome. I don't know. I like a lot of Pixies songs, I, I suppose. Definitely Hey was one of the first songs I learned on bass. It's pretty simple to learn. So for any of you people thinking of picking up bass, definitely try out that song. But also in the 2000s, there was this viral video on YouTube. This was like when YouTube kind of first was a thing. So you could go viral for essentially not doing anything all that impressive. And these girls just basically lip sync to Hey by the Pixies and it went viral. That's awesome. I feel like early YouTube and early iPhone app store go very tightly hand in hand. Oh, hell yeah. That's the exact same window. I think the first time I used YouTube was on my iPod Touch maybe. Uh, I don't know about that. I need a fact check. (laughs) 
My brother gave me his old laptop, and I remember when YouTube was first a thing, I was like on there all the time, like religiously after school. Yeah. Now that I think about it, I was definitely on YouTube before iPod Touch. Because actually, I think there was iPod Touch without App Store, possibly, that just had like YouTube and music. No, I think you're right. I think the App Store like got introduced. Yeah. Okay, so I got to tell you, like, when I first heard Pixies, I literally played it all the time. I don't know if that's really weird, but, like, I love this song because I do love the Pixies. Like, I'm a huge, huge, huge fan. Never seen them in concert. I worked one of their concerts, but I didn't actually, like, get to go in and watch them perform, which sucked. But Anna off Bossa Nova is, like, my favorite song because it's, like, an acrostic poem, which we were sort of, like, talking about before. Another acrostic poem song. Yeah. Frank Black, like, saw a surfer just, like, riding a wave, and he decided to write a song about that. And so it's, like, musically enchanting, and each letter of each line spells out surfer. And then Anna, the name of the song, is, like, short for anagram. So I was, like, that's very clever. Oh, that's cool. I've like maybe listened through Bossa Nova. I don't know it. What like I know Valoria, but I'm gonna sit definitely with that check one out Anna. this week. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm a big Porches fan. I just played with Porches. Oh, I love Porches week. too. Yeah. He has an unreleased one though that he was playing. He was doing like live streams during COVID, and there's one called Skateboarder where he's like describing like a skateboarder, which I just kind of thought of that. Slow Dance in the Cosmos, when that first came out, I was like, that is a phenomenal album. Yeah, full circle. He covered, at the LA show, he covered Porcelain by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh, I love that song. Yeah. That's a great that's song That's another to cover. favorite Red Hot Chili Peppers song. I like the smooth Red Hot Chili Peppers songs. I like the, the fast ones too, but I generally like kind of the sweeter ones, like Scar Tissue, Porcelain, Snow. Yes. I mean, mine is Suck My Kiss. <laughs> like, I just remember being a kid and being like, yeah, this song is so edgy. One of my friends, he pulled that out for karaoke. And I was like, oh, this is like the best karaoke That's song. That's a great karaoke song. Actually, I wanted to ask you this. It's something I should probably ask more of my guests on this podcast. But like, what's your ultimate karaoke song? I do Garden Grove by Sublime. That's amazing. Yeah. I love Sublime. I don't think I've ever heard anyone do that song in karaoke. It's a good one. There's a lot of words, but I know all the words. Actually, yeah, my 1000 tattoo on my stomach I got from this guy, O.P. Ortiz, who did the back tat. And he did all the album art, too. Oh, nice. I'm a big Sublime head. Yeah, I love that band so much. Yeah, they're awesome. Well, I kind of want to do for karaoke Dean Kissick if it's available. I don't think it's available on there, but I think... I have to check for myself, but I think girls just like popped up on one of the <laughs> on one of the karaoke pages. I'm trying to work your song Dean Kissick into my set that's happening in Toronto. I don't DJ, so like I've never DJed before, so it's like kind of like a learning curve for me. I hope it'll make it. All your songs are infused with these comedic elements, which I really appreciate. Why does comedy play such an important part in your music though? And like what drives you to incorporate comedic lyrics into your writing? I try to have my music just reflect my real experience. And so with the lyrics, that looks like kind of the duality of comedy and and earnesty and, you know, being emotional. But then in the actual like music, I try to draw from a wide range of influences because I, you know, listen to a lot of different stuff. So I try to be very dynamic with the conceptual reaches, I suppose. Yeah. For the whole year out of all the songs that are released, like my favorite lyric is probably from Dean Kissick because it's hilarious and I love this. It's like, 
I heard you and your crew were sneak dissing. I heard you were playing sold out shows. I guess it's tiny rooms with no women. <laughs> Who are you kind of directing that lyric at? Oh, I don't even know. <laughs> when people come to my shows or to any show, I think that the real headliner is the socializing and people are there to hang out. That's important, yeah. The thing I always say is if someone had a long day and they come to my show and they only listen to one or two songs because they just don't have the attention span for it, but then they go to the bar area and have a nice time. When someone asks, like, yo, what'd you do last night? They're going to be like, oh, I went to the Blake the Man 1000 show and I had a good time. They're not going to be like, oh, I listened to two songs and I was tired, so I talked to people and had a nice time. So anyway, I place a high priority on having a fun crowd at the shows, and I try to book things and market things in a way that attracts a fun crowd with cool people. When that song was released, I actually went to some like after hours thing and there were no women and it was just not my vibe. If you go to a party and that's the vibe, you're not going to think it's a good party. You know, no. having a show <laughs> is just a party. <laughs> Why did you write a song about Dean Kissick? I saw him at the Drain Gang show and the, the, I was just like, oh my God, I got to write a song about him. He's real sweet. We shot the video with him too and everything. How was it getting him involved in that? I mean, it was pretty like casual. I wrote the song, then I sent it to some friends, and then it happened to be his birthday, and some people showed him. And then I like posted about it and tagged him, and then he was like, "What is this?" <laughs> so <laughs> it's funny. He's like a vocal like hater of indie sleaze. But I looked up his articles and I actually liked his writing a lot. I'm like, I so you don't have to like it. I just like saw that he was like having his own like critique of it. And I was like, I'm, you know what? I'm going to follow you on Instagram and like all of your posts. <laughs> it's yeah. The whole thing's interesting because I, I hadn't heard the term indie sleaze. I think I probably first heard it on TikTok. Yeah. You know, people like to describe things, you know, like grunge, right? Mm -hmm. Notoriously, Kurt Cobain hated that descriptor. You know, like hyperpop is another one, right? And people are like, oh, yeah. you're hyperpop. You're indie sleaze hyperpop. And it's like, am I hanging out with Karen O? No. Am I hanging out with Dorian Electra? No. And so it's kind of like, I'm like, well, socially, I'm in a different group of people. Like, I'm not either of those things. But, you know, people describe me however they want. I'm glad they're describing me. <laughs> you are mentioned a lot when it comes to indie sleaze revival. Like, what do you think it is that connects you to? this revival? I think the most interesting parallel between the indie sleaze and now is not so much in the music, but in the criticism. In the blog era, you had all these music blogs pushing music, and that was kind of the dominant space that people were finding new music in. And similarly, via changes in technology and just like cultural changes post-COVID, there's like a moment right now where a lot of people are getting their music criticism from YouTube TikTok, podcasts, Instagram, Substacks, Substacks, yeah, and also like independent playlists on Spotify. And so because there are so many channels through which people are discovering music, there's really a lot of opportunity for a wide range of musical styles to find an audience. Yeah. And I think that was kind of something that happened in the blog era too where it just got a little less curated and there was a wider range of things, and a lot of the things in that era were just very hybridized and genreless. And I think that's what a lot of the stuff I like has going on right now. Yeah. Like, I also read your Office Mag interview, and you kind of are quoted as saying, ultimately, I think my genre is interacting with pop culture as a whole. So, 
What I really wonder about you is like, are you influenced by any directors or films? Not so much, honestly. I watch probably more TV than film. Okay. I love like girls. I love. <laughs> I like that show. It's too. the only one I can think of right now because my girlfriend and I are watching it. Who's your favorite character on Girls? I mean, probably Marnie's boyfriend from season one. Yes, Charlie. Yeah, Charlie. <laughs> yeah, I love Charlie. <laughs> For the record, I was forced into this answer. <laughs> That's okay. That's no, okay. I'm, I'm, kid- I'm just teasing. <laughs> There's no one in the show you want to be like. No, there really isn't. Maybe you can see little bits of yourself in that person, but you would never want to actually come across as any of the yeah. characters on this show. About the film thing, I do have... Co- I used to be like really loud on my Instagram story. I feel like right now I'm just like posting things I'm promoting. But maybe like six months ago, I was on my Instagram story. I was like, uh, movies should be inspired by music, not the other way around. Yeah. So maybe that's my <laughs> that's my hot take. I might have to hop off here because we're, we're going to head out and grab some dinner. But thanks so much for having me on, Liv. Oh, no problem. I could see your music in a Safdie film, personally. I just posted about that today. Oh, my God. um, That's best case scenario. Before you go, if you could collaborate with any artist, who would that be? (sighs) Oh, man. I would love to work with Ariel Rekshad. He's a producer. Do you know him? No. I have to check him out. He's really good. You know tons of his work. He's done, like, a bunch of Vampire Weekend stuff and Adele and Haim. Tons of, yeah, tons of uh, relevant to the conversation artists. Yeah, I'd love to work with him because I'd love to work with someone a bit more experienced than myself who, you know, might be able to help me get better at making music. That was a great answer. I love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on the pod, Blake. Thanks for having me. It was my pleasure, and I hope to be in New York soon. I will probably try to make it, actually, for a new year. Hopefully, I get to see you in concert. I'd love to see you perform. Yeah, I think everyone's playing New Year's, so. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be playing, I think, Harrison's DJing, all the New York indie sleaze people. Okay, cool. Well, for listeners, make sure to follow like the man 1000 on Instagram and listen to his music on Spotify, Tidal, Apple Music, anywhere you can essentially stream music and see you later. See you later. See you later.